A very warm welcome to all God's people today. We're so delighted you're here. My name is Bill Roth. I'm pastor of Congregational Care. Joined with me here today is my colleague, Uyang Kim, pastor of discipleship here at Myers Park Church. We're so delighted that you've decided to join us today in person and online. And we would invite you to register your attendance here so that we might reach out to you in the days ahead, begin a relationship with you, tell you more about this great church and ways in which you can get involved in the life of this church and the ministry in this community. I'm going to turn it over to Uyan. Uyan, what's going on in the life of the church that the people need to know about this week? So grateful to be together. So as usual, we invite your attention to this week, our e-newsletter. There's also information on our bulletin. Uh, it provides information of all the wonderful happenings during the week and this month. One thing we wanted to highlight for you at this point, uh, after 9.45 and 11 o'clock service today, we're going to have a celebration for our Pastor Nancy Watson's retirement. Now, once again, she's retiring, but she is not done with us, and we're not done with her. She's going to return to be with us, uh, focusing on pastoral care ministry alongside Pastor Bill. We're so grateful for that. But we invite you to come and celebrate her, celebrate together after 9.45 and 11 o'clock in the parish lobby. Friends, it is good that we are here to encounter God's love and mercy and grace as a family of God. Let us continue to prepare our hearts as we worship.
Let us now be united as the children of God in professing our faith in the faith of the Christian Church through the Apostles' Creed as printed in our bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Gracious God is always quick to forgive, to be merciful, to be grace-filled. So friends, let us join our hearts together in our prayer of confession as printed in our bulletin. Uh, let us pray together. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us towards you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Here's the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet still sinners. That proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Testament reading is Genesis, chapter 18, beginning with the first verse. 
the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that, you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they Eight. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah 
denied saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. He said, oh yes, you did laugh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Mary Catherine, thank you for that beautiful reading. I think I would buy a ticket to uh, listen to you read the phone book. <laughs> yeah. well, let's begin our proclamation with prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always and in every way acceptable unto thee, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. On April 13th in Kansas City, Missouri, 16-year-old Ralph Yarrow went to pick up his twin brothers at a friend's home. Unfortunately, he got the wrong street address. He was turned around. Yarrow told police that he rang the doorbell and he waited outside, and the man then opened the door holding a firearm and immediately shot him in the head. After Yarrow fell to the ground, he was shot once more in the arm. Two days later, on April 15th, 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis's boyfriend pulled into the wrong driveway in rural New York. There was no cell reception. They got turned around. They were lost. He turned around to leave. Shots were fired at their car, and Kaitlin was killed in a rain of gunfire. Two days later, on April 17th, outside of Austin, Texas, cheerleaders Heather Roth and Peyton Washington were returning home from cheerleading practice. Roth accidentally attempted to open a car occupied that looked exactly like her friend's. And upon realizing the mistake, Heather returned to her friend's car when the other vehicle's driver allegedly approached the group with a gun and began shooting. Peyton Washington was seriously wounded. One day later, on April 18th, near Gastonia, North Carolina, several children were playing basketball outside on the road, and the ball got away from them, and it rolled down the street into Robert Singletary's yard. Neighbors said Singletary got mad, ran down the street while firing a gun. Six-year-old Kinsley White was hit in the cheek by gunfire, the same gunfire that also wounded her father. I'm unsure of the exact date, but several thousand years ago, God sent messengers to visit a man called Abraham by the oaks. As Abraham sat by the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, he looked up and he saw three strangers who he did not know, strange men standing near him. I'm happy to report that Abraham did not draw a weapon, nor did he shoot them. In fact, when he saw the strangers, he ran to meet them. He bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree here in the shade. And then he and Sarah 
fed them a wonderful, wonderful feast. Now, why Abraham was not upset, it's, it's a bit of puzzlement to me. If anyone were to be mad, it should have been Abraham and Sarah because the promise that Abraham hears this day is the same one that Sarah overhears and laughs at. It's an unfulfilled promise of many years. 25 years ago, God had promised a son to Abraham to make him a great nation, but nothing happened. And now more visitors, more promises, more empty words. If these men were to show up at my house, let me tell you, I'd be thinking, great. Same old broken promises. Get off my porch. Get off my porch. What kind of person is harder to believe than a promise maker who fails to deliver on his promises? Of course Sarah was cynical. She was exhausted by the passing years and advancing age, by God's unfulfillment of his promise to Abraham. She's afraid to even hope again. Can you imagine how these words fell to her? They must have felt like a hot desert wind blowing across a parched, dry soul. Who could have blamed Abraham and Sarah if they had slammed the door of their tent, tied it shut, but my friends, they did not. Abraham, what does he do? He shows lavish hospitality to three strangers. They welcome them. They practice gracious kindness. In biblical times, the law of hospitality required that all guests be treated like family, at least for one day and one night. And so Abraham and Sarah do this. I don't know about you, but this scene is reminiscent of Hebrews chapter 13 and the commandment to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels unaware. What's very clear in our scripture today is that hospitality is the sacred duty and delight of all people who belong to God. We, we offer hospitality because we know that all of God's people, all of God's children have been welcomed by God. When we encounter, quote, the strangers in our lives, we receive them as people who already belong to us and who already belong to God. How interesting. We've all heard the word hospitality in industry. Hospitality industry. It's a billion-dollar industry in the United States, yet sadly, somehow, hospitality is lacking in our culture, is it not? We no longer see the stranger as an opportunity to practice a divine welcome. We've forgotten our own gracious welcome from God, and thus we no longer feel any obligation, any pull at all to welcome others as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, we use the word hospitality. We throw it around lightly to mean catered meals or putting on a party. But my friends, God-breathed hospitality means so much more than that. God's hospitality is to extend the privilege of community to those who have little hope of ever expecting it because they're outcasts or on the margin. 
Biblical hospitality often involves sharing a meal. Today, Christians gather at the Lord's table and share from one cup, one loaf, because we who are many are one. And sharing at such a table meal reminds us that God has invited us into his family, and we are to do the very same thing. My dear friends, all of human life begins with God's act of hospitality, doesn't it? Isn't that the origin of our faith in Genesis with God making a place for us in the world that God has created, a world that we have no claim to inhabit, but yet is given to each of us in which to live? In the book, Exclusion and Embrace, the author writes, having been embraced by God, we must make space for others and invite them in, even our enemies. Friends, Jesus practiced both hospitality, receiving it and giving it. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He accepted their hospitality as a way of identifying with them, bringing them into his community, a point that the Pharisees understood but could not and would not abide by. Remember the feeding of the 5,000 in scriptures in the New Testament? It's another act of hospitality, isn't it? The crowds, they overstay their welcome. The disciples want to send them away. But Jesus tells the disciples, feed these strangers. Treat them if, as if they are insiders, as if they are one of us. Because Christian hospitality, it is always expanding the circle to make it bigger and bigger. This is the story of our scriptures, Old and New Testament. The gospel expands the circle of kinship to include everyone. It's no exaggeration to say that history suggests that one of the primary reasons that the gospel spread throughout the Holy Roman Empire was that Christians practiced a new kind of hospitality. In ancient Rome, hospitality was given to those who could return it, the upper class, the wealthy. But Christians, they did something new. They welcomed people who could never expect to return the favor. They offered hospitality to the least of these, to those on the margin. And thus, you know what happened in the early church? It grew. It grew because they loved those who were, quote, on the outside, because the truth is that they too belong to God. When I was a sophomore in college, I decided I was going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I was young. I was trying to figure out what that meant to follow Jesus. But oftentimes, as I look back and what I know now is, I was not following Jesus. I was following my rule, Indiana culture that I had grown up in instead of the God who welcomes all people. One day on my summer job, I worked road construction throughout the summers going to college. I was the only college guy on a very rough road crew. And so they would come and ask me biblical questions knowing I was a Bible major in undergraduate and kind of stumped the college boy, I guess was what they were doing. I'll never forget one day they asked me about the ultimate faith of the Jewish people. 
I'd never met anyone Jewish in my life. I had grown up 15 miles from a county seat town. There was a one stoplight town three miles away. We were the only house on our side of the road in the mile. Just farm country, just cows, just pigs. I commented that, uh, that I thought the Jewish people would meet a demise. Well, fast forward four years later, I'm an RA on the West Campus at Duke University. I'm attending Divinity School. I live among a legion of my new Jewish friends in a dormitory. To my surprise, my circle of extending God's loving embrace was significantly and thankfully expanding. Last evening, our church wrapped up its annual conference up at Lake Junaluska. Many churches have left our denomination over the past year because they failed to see and welcome God in the stranger at their doors. They could not or would not expand the circle of God's love. How this must grieve God's heart. My friends, hospitality is the sacred duty and delight of all people. All people. We all belong to God. Because we belong to God, when we encounter the stranger, the other, we treat them as people who belong to us. We welcome them as they belong to God because they do. Because they do. Because they do. God's vision for us is to live in a world without strangers, with no strangers, to live as family. That's the divine vision. It's why we call the church, what? The family of God. It's why we call each other brothers and sisters. It's why at the center of our Christian worship, we put a table here on Sunday mornings and we gather around the table. It's a symbol of home. It's a symbol of family gathering around a shared meal. We are all family. My friends, I'm not preaching today to hear myself talk. I'm selling God's crazy and gracious hospitality and love, the kind that welcomes the stranger and allows us to fulfill the divine promise. Today, I'm asking you to help me heal the world by living into God's kingdom of love for all people, not just those who look like you, who act like you, who think like you. As we leave here today, I would invite you to ask yourselves this question. Who doesn't get the family treatment from you? Who have you decided in your great wisdom doesn't belong to the kingdom of God, which God has already claimed is open to all people? Where did you draw the line? Who have you thought is on the outside? Who did you exclude from God's family meal? Jesus tells a story at the heart of this ethical question about inclusion. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's my favorite story in all scriptures. I could read it every day and probably should. It's a story and vision of God's grace and our call to live into that grace 
ourselves. Who's your neighbor? Who should be treated like kin? Who are you going to invite to the table? The answer is clear from Jesus. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone is now kin in Jesus Christ. We are all family. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Loving and gracious God, we gather on this Sunday to remember your goodness and rejoice in your faithfulness. Thank you for calling us your own and inviting us to partner with you to share your love with all your children. It is because you loved us first that we are able to love ourselves and share this love with others. May we always remember this truth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May we continue to widen the circle of our family, your family. May we seek and welcome those displaced, disheartened, and disenfranchised. May our home here at Myers Park UMC become a place of rest, healing, and renewal. Help us to be amongst those who include the excluded and bring in those who are marginalized. That when the opportunities come our way to be healers of division and hurt, to be peacemakers and restorers, to be the ones to bring about hospitality, radical hospitality to all your people, may we go and do. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. We witness the violence, sickness, and death. Transforming, healing Father. Help us to make the light shine in dark places. To make peace known in violent places. And to bring about your mercy to despondent places. Mighty God, with your powerful arm, hold up your church and all of us here. We need to be renewed again and, fill, and to be filled with your, with your goodness, your grace. Reach inside us and open hearts wide open that we might give the full measure of your love. As you revive the saints who came before us, revive us to go out and welcome the forgotten, to heal the sick, and speak the words of comfort, hope, to live out divine hospitality, to always believe in the promises of God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift those who grieve and mourn this day. We especially lift up the family and friends of Keel Dixon and Mark Edwards as they grieve their earthly loss 
as they grieve the loss of their beloveds. We lift them up. We remember them. While we mourn, O oh God, we mourn with hope because we believe in your assurance and the promises of the eternal life. Thank you for welcoming our beloved ones into your eternal home. So trusting in your everlasting goodness, we pray with confidence the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. As we pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> so friends, starting this Tuesday, we have our vacation Bible school. We will be welcoming over 200 young people in our worshiping space. So grateful for our children's team and all the volunteers. It is through God's continuous goodness and our collective generosity that makes these ministries possible. For this, we give thanks. I invite the ushers to come forward as we receive our morning tithes and thanksgiving.
generous and grace-filled God, we give a portion of that which you first given to us. May these gifts be used to share your good news, to expand the very boundaries and the limits of your family, to welcome all those who are lost, to share your love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, go forth from this place knowing that you belong to the family of God. You are kin. Go forth from this place to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do, remembering always you are sent in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.